Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning from Coolidge, Arizona. November the 4th, 2018. We welcome you. And let's have a good time in the scriptures today. We're in Acts chapter 15. But first. So get set for a rabbit trail. <laughs> That's for his sake. <clears throat> we, want to, we want to each week introduce five of the principal thinkings coming out of the Calvinist Augustinian manual. The first one is total depravity. Now I sent out a bro- I, I sent out a pamphlet for you that you need to read and study. And if you can read that in eight hours, you didn't read it; you just skimmed it. Each one of those takes a lot of time of thought. Uh, it's entitled "Can We Understand and Respond to the Bible?" And the the basic view of the Calvinists at this point is that no, we cannot without an unilateral intervention. And they call that unilateral intervention the Holy Spirit. Uh, We don't buy that, and this article will tell you why. We're not going to deal with this article, but it's yours for background material, if you have any concern in that matter at all. I want to begin this little uh, section with the statement of each individual is fully capable of being perfect. Every one of us is fully capable of being everything that God designed us to be. Would God design us something that we couldn't meet his criteria? Of course not. Of course not. So every human being is capable of being perfect from God's standard, not yours. We tend to impose different things on people than, than um, differently than what God does. But everyone is fully capable of being perfect. Then aren't, why aren't we? Well, the big reason is that we have a lack of knowledge. We don't know what perfection is, and we don't realize that we can be everything that God designed us to be. We can be that, but we're not. And secondly, the reason we're not is because we're rebellious. If we know, then we rebel against God. Now, that's the, the essence of sin is rebellion against God. That's why we want to break rebellion in the heart of a child, because that will carry over into his attitude toward God. But the next thing is that in conclusion to this, first part of this message today, (laughs) (laughs) oh, we've got to let them catch up. Good morning. morning. 
So let me renumerate. Every individual born is capable of being perfect. There are people in the Bible who were perfect. Name two. Real quick, quick. In the Bible? In the Bible. Jesus? No, I don't mean Jesus. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were, in their innocence, they were perfect. You, you but then say, they weren't considered humans yet. You could say David, could you not? David. There was Job, there was Cornelius, Moses. No all of what is said, they no. were perfect in all of their ways. Right. I don't know how much. I don't know how much more perfect you can get than that. It'll now, perfect. You know, Neil's perfect in fourteen ways. It's that fifteen way. It's that fifteenth <laughs> point. So you know, our whole idea has been based on the teachings of Calvin, or organized by Calvin. And that's why we're talking about this in, to introduce our studies in the book of Acts is because it is approaching man as fully capable of listening and of responding to God's word in any state you find yourself. The human being is capable. And when we lose the sense of capability, we, are, we drift into the arena of helplessness. And that means we become vulnerable to anything and everything. Huh? That's right. So the lack of knowledge is what keeps people from being fulfilling the purpose for which they were created. That's what constitutes perfection. Not your idea, not somebody else's perception, but God designed a worm is perfect in that it does everything that it's designed to do as a worm. worm. It's perfect. It doesn't have any... God does not control your life as to where you shop. Don't you have a choice? Yeah. You have a choice. You can go to Bashes. You can go to Safeway. Tanya goes to one, I go to the other because I know better. <laughs> yeah. So, but the lack of knowledge, and then as First Samuel, I think 15, don't turn to it, I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure the, the reference, but I think it's First Samuel 15, verse 22, talks about uh, the heart of sin is rebellion and stubbornness of heart. That's the heart. All sin has that as its foundation. <clears throat> now, something that we need to think about. We are sinners because we sin. We do not sin because we are sinners. And that's the basic statement of total depravity. That's the foundational belief. Folks, if you can't get man right, you can't get anything right. You can't get Jesus right. You can't get the Holy Spirit right. Until you have man right, there's nowhere else to go. You have to get man right because he's made in the image of God. We are sinners because we sin. Not all have sinned. 
all groups of people from Romans 3 have sinned, but not every individual has sinned. We don't have to. There isn't one law in the Ten Commandments, for instance, which we're not under today, but if we were, there is not one law in the Ten Commandments that you have to break. How many of you have killed anybody? We don't have to do that. We do it because we choose to do it. There is not one commandment that God says you have to do, and I've made you so that you have to do it, and therefore I'm going to hold you guilty because you did it. Now, who does that reflect on? It reflects on God. It makes God stupid. And all the Calvinists who have that basic belief, that's what they have done to God. And it's ironic, David, because if I was in a group of people telling them what you said and you didn't say it, that would be an affront that's instantly recognized. I would be instantly made look like a fool because you're sitting right there and you're like, I didn't say that. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But yet we can do that to God all the time and nothing happens. And nothing happens because God does not interfere with our lives. Or he would do what? He'd knock you down. He'd struck you dead. Now, the positive point is this, that even though we sin when we do not have to, nobody has ever held a gun to your head and forced you to sin. But... When we sin, even though we don't have to sin, the glory of God is made known by that in that he has provided a plan for our redemption. When we have done something that we don't have to do, God in his plan includes for us a way to be forgiven. Now that's what tells you about God. And that's destroyed by the Calvinist perspective. See that? No, you don't. <laughs> I'm just being contradictory. You're used to that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know. Um, God, God's goodness is granted and visible, uh, made visible to us by how he does when we do what we don't have to do. He has a plan for a remedy. He has a plan for restoration so that those who do what they don't have to do can still come back into his arms. Now that's something about God that we need to honor and appreciate and praise him for. There is no praise in Calvinism. God does God has made you so that you can't do what is right and then condemns you to hell because you don't. That's the God of the Baptist. Yeah. You think I'm being kind? I didn't mean to be. You see, we've, we've got to get to thinking. So, I just want to read one verse uh, just as a way of... I gave you the whole pamphlet here. And, and I don't think these folks, um, did you get the notes for today? Um, there is a $15 fee every minute that you don't have those in your hand. You're in deep trouble. <laughs> um, 
let's let's go to um, oh let's go to Romans three, and I, I'm only going to pick on one, then we have to move on. <clears throat> I only had intended to spend five minutes, but we were a little bit late getting started today. Um, <clears throat> look at chapter three. And verse 12, the latter part of verse 12, Romans 3.12, there is none who does good, not even one. And he goes on and on and on to tell you about how terrible this group of whom he's describing have become. And that was the key. Notice in verse 12, the first part of that verse, which I avoided reading to begin with all have done what turned aside all right who took the initiative all All who they have all turned aside the people have turned aside those whom he has addressed have turned aside they weren't born that way they made a conscious decision to turn aside a conscious decision to turn aside. Now that's true with every passage that they use for their text. Jeremiah, you know, a big one, whatever they use, everyone has within that context an explanation of who he's talking about and why they're in that condition. No one is born a sinner. Everyone becomes a sinner because they sin. Because they sin. And all of the Calvinist, Augustinian community all violate the basic rule of the Scripture regarding man. There are no exceptions. Presbyterian, Episcopalian, all the way down the line, they are all wrong on man and violate the scripture. Because if you don't get man right, you can never get God right. And you can never get Jesus right. And you can never get the Holy Spirit right. You have to have man right. Because that's proximate. That's next to us. If we can't get next to us right, how can we get anything right? All right, let's go to Acts. That's enough for you to think on. Uh, did we get notes out to everybody? I got one more. One more? Um, thank you, Alex. I caught him off guard this morning. I was going to have you just copy this because this is the latest, um, the revised, my, my revision. <clears throat> But there's, there's no substantial change. He's getting, we're getting one for Oh, you got one? Okay. Um, verse 12 of chapter 15. The multitude kept silence. Boy, that'll be a blessed day. 
And by the way, there's a lot of things to say about silence. There's, there's several Greek words that are translated silence, and they don't mean the same thing at all, but they're all translated the same. So be careful about your theology that's based on the use of that word. This one simply means they quit being noisy. Chattering about nothing. And they gave audience. See, that's the for you to listen. The word to give audience to. I have had a lot of people in attendance who have never who have not been in audience. Because the word audience means ready to hear. It means to give, the word literally means to give an ear to. Literally? Oh, no, no. But in essence, it means to, that you intentionally give your attention to what is being said. And you can't do that if you're chattering. So he said they became quiet first. The first rule is to be quiet. And then to give audience. Oh, that is so important. And if you lose your audience, you might as well quit. Yeah. You're just wasting your breath, wasting your energy. I've had good lessons that I could go on for an hour and everybody stayed in tune. Generally, after 10 minutes, I've lost everybody because I'm not moving along. Oh, yeah. It's, sometimes it's definitely my fault. Sometimes it's the audience's fault, but generally if people don't fall, they're not in tune with you all the way. You've lost them. And if you've lost them, it's that they have become saturated. Yeah. Saturated. Or they've lost interest. Bored. Bored, or that you've lost your creative approach. There's a lot of reasons why. Not not to fault anybody or anything, but it's just a fact of matter. Some sometimes you can go on and you keep your audience, but sometimes you don't keep your audience. And the reason you don't keep your audience is because something went awry, either you or the audience. Maybe some, maybe all, but sometimes it's mass. You lose everybody. Same thing is true with public speaking in any category, not just church. Well, you, you know, you can walk right by that sandwich or those donuts when you're not hungry. Walk right by them like you don't care, like they aren't, you know, like they aren't even there. Who said you could? <laughs> Me. But if you're, you know, starving or really hungry or really like sandwiches, you might slow down and take a look at it. Oh, that's right. And you see, that w- would not be an, a temptation to do evil unless there were obvious consequences health-wise. But it's just you have, a, you have a personal need. There is a way of meeting that need, and I'll take a donut any time. Didn't they criticize Paul for the way he sometimes approached people in, in speaking? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, they did. 
Yeah. He wasn't as polished or as, I don't know, entertaining as maybe somebody like Peter. Well, his words were pretty dramatic for the time, weren't they? They were all very dramatic, if, that was, if that's what you said. I didn't, yeah, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, she did. She yeah, very dramatic. They were very emotional. Very emotional. That's going to be a, that's going to be a hard thing for Alex when he is full-bore preacher he has to really develop the emotion. Get people mad, sad, or glad. Now he just makes them mad. <laughs> I got that down pretty good. You've got that one down good. Okay. So, <clears throat> anyway, we have a multitude here. A multitude means just, just too many people to count. They kept silence. They preserved the silence. The word kept there is like it's used in Timothy and Titus when those who keep their families intact, the word keep there doesn't mean you harness them. It means that you preserve that. And that's often the, the meaning for the word kept. And so they um, kept their silence and they deliberately gave. They gave audience. See, they had the capability of doing that. If you want, can you check that in the Greek for me, to just to make sure that we're um, gave. Uh, the word gave. You want a definition? Here? Uh, I want the parsing. The gave audience, yeah. Well, it's active. Okay, that's that's what how I was using it. I wanted to make sure it was in the active voice. It means that they deliberately gave, made a choice. The people who were doing it made a choice and gave that, the product of that choice to Barnabas and to Paul. See that? Now, what if it had been passive voice? Somebody gave it to them. Somebody had provided it for them. God gave, it, God gave them that provision. That would be passive voice. It's never in the passive voice. Um, or it could be the middle voice. What's the middle voice? Do it to yourself. Yeah, and in this case, um, that would be appropriate either way. A lot of times the middle case and the active case or mood are the same. Okay. So they were declaring, and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, having their audience now in their hand, and they were declaring what, one, what miracles and wonders God had done among the Gentiles by the local preachers. Through them, the apostles, to the Gentiles. And it's not by them. It should be through, through. them. Yes. And the them is referring back to the apostles. Did anyone ever perform a miracle outside of them? No. no. There's no illustration anywhere in history that anybody ever performed a legitimate miracle outside of the apostles and or who they appointed unless it was whom? The devil. That's in Second Thessalonians 2. Only the devil provides miracles today. Interesting that the declaring here is, is 
uh, in the middle voice unto themselves. That's what they're talking about. Yeah, that's right. Because he's one of them. Yeah, that's just kind of catches you off guard in the way that, it's phrased. That does. That's an interesting point. Well, I'd like a, we could spend a lot of time on that too. So, you you have to remember that the apostles were the miracle workers for the purpose of confirming the word. That's Hebrews two two to two through four, which is a very concise condensation of that very condensed statement that the apostles were those who God worked miracles through. Did Jesus ever do any miracle on his own? No. no. Not according to Jesus. Not according to him. And by the way, if you don't believe what he said there, why would you believe anything he said anywhere? Jesus never performed any miracles. Did he ever raise the dead? You talked about, well, what about Lazarus? Well, he said, I didn't do that. Who did do it? God. So in this case, God is using miracles. And there were some things that were extended beyond the apostles. You all know who, what they were. They were those of whom the apostles laid their hands to help with the ministry until such time as the, as the ministry was completed. And then that too would cease. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. All came to an end. It has never happened, if it was God-ordained, has never happened since. So you want to be real careful about that. Um, so when they had held their peace in verse 13, that is the people who had kept silence. Now they had held and held on to their peace, their quietness, their solution orientation. The word shalom here means solution orientation. James now comes onto the scene. Oh, we've got to listen to James. He said, men and brethren, listen to me. Hearken unto me. I want your attention. He makes reference to Simon, or Simeon. Simeon hath declared how God, and I'm using the King James here, um, And, and the reason I use the, the King James is not because I like it, but because one, it's what most people have. And, um, and then my Greek is based on the King James, and, I, and sometimes that's a real frustration. But he did visit the Gentiles to take out of them, out of whom? A people for his name. For his name. What does name mean? What does nomenclature mean? It's what you are. The essence of The you. essence of It's the total disclosure of all that is contained in anything. The nomenclature card on the... Well, you deal with nomenclature cards, Richard. There are a lot of devices that you probably install that have a little tag on them that give you a serial number, maybe? Yeah. What about a... What about a um, 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 a panel. Yeah, basically a label that summarizes. There's a label. Entity of what it is. That word is the word nomenclature. The word named here. 
And you don't go, well, there's my nomenclature. No, it's, it's, a, it's a service entrance panel, right? SEP. Do you still use those? Somewhat. They try to steer away from them now. What do they, what do they use instead of a SCP? Now they just have uh, different panel locations. Oh, okay. Sub-panel. Yeah, instead of one big one like they used to. Would that makes like, a lot of sense. Would it be like a recipe of ingredients? A recipe, a recipe of, of ingredients. Excellent. It's the recipe of ingredients. I hope I can remember that. That was precious. Yeah, really appreciate good. that. Yeah. A recipe of ingredients. Yeah. The nomenclature. And so when it talks about God's name or Jesus, Jesus was, you know, everybody used that. That was the name for everybody back in those days. Everybody was called Jesus. Yeah. I heard a song this morning, Jesus, Jesus, the pro, how precious the name. I love the song. That's not my point. My point is that that's the wrong use of the name. That's not his name. That's his title. Yeah. We get name and title confused. His name is Nolan. But if you knew what Nolan stood for, you probably wouldn't call him Nolan. You'd call him, well, the totality of all of his ingredients, you'd call him nice. <laughs> he was all nervous, you know, thinking I was going to really say something nasty. But was coming at you in this class. <laughs> well, I always come at you direct. Um, see, the, the, the scriptures just come to life when you know what these words mean. So he called these people out for a purpose, for his name. That is his identity, the total disclosure of all that he is, is encompassed in that word name. They didn't go around saying Yahweh, Elohim, Theos. By the way, Theos is simply the use of a word for office. Anybody, the prophets were all gods, weren't they? Remember? In Judges? All the gods were called, all the judges were called gods because they filled, they filled in office. That's how the word, that's what the word theos means, is office. God can appoint anyone to an office that he wants, but no one is called Elohim or Yahweh. And there's other, a lot of other names that I don't recall. To and I want to go on here. Verse, um, so he, he, he wanted to take out of the Gentiles a people for his name. He's not going to do it against their will, but he's going to make it available to any of those who choose to do so. Now we're going to find out in verse 15 how the prophets fit into this. I'm going to tell you right up front where I'm going to, going to go, and then I'll explain why. This is a prophecy that tells you that the fulfillment, that the proof of the fulfillment is the fact that you can be converted. Now, you don't understand me, but let's go on, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean. After this, I will return after all of this, the prophet is speaking way, way back. What is that, an Amos? 
I will build again the temple of David. Which is suggesting that a particular temple of which he's not giving reference to here, so we don't make any assumptions at this point. We don't do that, do we? We don't jump to conclusions about, based on assumptions. I will build again the temple of David. So at one time, the temple of David is going to go down. We don't know when at this point, not in this prophecy, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. So this is going to be a special, a special, a special tabernacle, a special representation of what it was that David did, because who's going to set it up? Well, does it tell us? No, well, does it really tell us? And this well, I, I would have to say that the prophets are going to set it up. They are the foundation. They are the foundation. Now, I'm not saying that either any of you are wrong, because I don't think it says right here. And I wanted you to get committed so I could show how wrong you are. <laughs> That's how we do things here. You know, otherwise you get, don't get the point. But the proof of the fulfillment of this is, as I said to begin with, is that the Gentiles now have access to God in the temple, the new temple of the new Jerusalem, which is the church. Let me go back. And we'll build again the tabernacle of David. He is setting these people up with facts because he wants to draw a conclusion. And he wants to draw a conclusion so sharp that they get mad. Now I say that a little bit in jest. Which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles, upon whom my name is called. Those who by choice have come into the name and it's the Lord who doeth all of these things. So, what is the evidence that the fulfillment of this prophecy has taken place according to the context? Our, our own faith, our own you know, relation. I may, mis, I may have misstated the question, Alex. What I meant to say was, and I may not have said it this way, what is our proof that this context by Amos has been fulfilled. That the Gentiles are included. Yeah. That the Gentiles. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, yeah, that we, that, that I myself can have, oh, have okay. a form of inclusion. You're a Gentile? I, I believe so. Okay. You read our DNA test. <laughs> well, Pelosi did that. 
she's, or somebody did. I guess it was it wasn't her. It was somebody else. Pocahontas. Huh? Pocahontas. Pocahontas. Yeah. All right. So the residue of men. That that is everybody else outside of the Jewish people might seek after the Lord. All the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Powerful, powerful proof that this fulfillment all taken place by the time that the Gentiles begin to come in from Acts chapter 10 on. He is quoting this as something that has taken place. Now, notice verse 18, and we'll have to close. Known unto God, which is very, uh, you know, I, I don't know about this, are all his works from the beginning of the Of the, I'm in the next verse, 18. From, well, there is no the age of the, that's not there, Dave. Well, no, known from the world. Why is it world? It's not, it's not cosmos. Why did any, does, does anybody have that word in your Bible? I mean, just before you burn it. <laughs> Does anybody have that word in your Bible? Mine says from of old. Yeah. That doesn't help us any. Does anybody have the word world in there? Huh? You You see, I do too because it's in the King James. But that's not the word. The word for world is what? Cosmos. K-O-S-M-O-S. K-C. Oh, oh, you're right. It's uh, but it's a K in the it's Greek. K in the Greek. Yeah. Well, that's how they spell it. Russia. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> they spell it in Russia with a K. Everything. So K. known from the age, from the it's the word age. Known from the beginning of the ages. Singular. And it's singular. That yeah. proves it's age. This age in singular. From, so God has known when this thing began, and if he's referring to the Mosaic age, which he may be, if he's referring to the Mosaic age, there's a patriarchal age in the Bible, there is the Mosaic age, and there is the Christian age, and the Christian age is divided up... Uh, between the apostolic portion and the non-apostolic portion. And so in the Old Testament, we have the patriarchal age and we have the Mosaic age, which takes us all the way to Acts chapter 1. Now remember that. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John are all part of the Old Testament as far as the age, age is concerned. Absolutely, the covenant relationship that man had with God is all the way through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, known unto God. God knew where he was headed all the time. And so, you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 12, and you've got the heart of the Bible introduced there as the promise. And then, when we get to Galatians, it says that the 
What was added to the promise so that it could be carried out? The The law. And it became a covenant. So covenants are always secondary to the promise. The promise came first, and then a covenant was established to assure the fulfillment of that promise and the provisions of that promise. We just got through with that series, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, in our basic Bible basics. So that's a very basic premise um, that we, we should all have down pat. But God knew where he was going all the time. But look at the patience of God in allowing this thing to develop naturally. 1,500 years. That's a long time. If I have to wait 1,500 years for the next movement, I'm going to be in trouble. Yeah. 1,500 years or give or take. But God knew what He was doing. He had a plan. Had a plan all the way from the beginning. Let time carry out His plan. Didn't get in a hurry because in the fullness of time, Galatians 4, everything has to come together just right. Now, we try to bring back into today things that were already done, already ended. That's because we deny the things that have already been completed. We need to just get back to the Scripture and allow the patriarchal age to be the patriarchal age, the mosaic age to be the mosaic age, and the Christian age to be the Christian age, and settle in on it. God knew what he was doing. And some of you listening today don't have a clue. Even though you've been told, I'll tell you why. It's because you have not deliberately given yourselves over, setting your ear to hearing what has been said, and you do not know how to integrate. Shame. Shame. Some people have heard these things over and over and over again, and you ask them about it, and they haven't got a clue because they haven't heard a word. They didn't give audience to it. They did not give audience to what they had an opportunity of getting audience to, and they didn't assimilate it to where it had any impact on their life. Folks, we've got to close. It's been wonderful to be with you today. Hope you're either mad, sad, or glad. Let's pray. Father, we are committed to listen to what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.